0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Hey everybody. Welcome to Keeping It Human's Improvised Marketing Show. So glad you're here. All right. Well, I hope it's beautiful wherever you are. It's gorgeous here in Silicon Valley. It's kind of overcast, a little weird, a little funky, but... Uh, Nonetheless, a very very nice spring day. So I hope it's beautiful wherever you are. I'm your host Kathy Cloth's guest and I am the founder of Keeping It Human. So again, I'm here in the epicenter of all kinds of cool stuff happening in the valley and uh, we broadcast a show most Thursdays at 3:30 p.m. Pacific and we help businesses tell their most important stories to the world. We also use improv to help marketing teams uncover new ideas and As you all know, this is a uh, jargon, monoxide, poisoning-free zone. We don't like jargon. We like to have fun. So if you like those things, you are in the right place. So thanks so much for your email, everybody, and I love hearing from you. And we are definitely bringing you more stories and talking to people who've made transitions and and talking about their personal journeys, and I think that's really powerful. So uh, before we introduce our guest, I'm really excited. I want to thank everybody for the emails on the book. Uh, The book is scheduled to be out in June. I'm still playing around with the title, and that's the hardest thing that I've ever had to do. <laughs> I still do have a title nailed out. So maybe I should have held a contest. I'll have to give that some thought. So thanks, everybody, for your emails. All right. Um, we are going to talk today with one of my favorite guests, and that is Jason Miller from LinkedIn. I am a big believer in my own personal journey, knowing how important it is to put your personality into your marketing, because I think that's the only differentiation that you have today. It's all about your your personality, and it's your secret sauce. So how do you hone it? How do you put more of you into your content? Well, how do you do it? Where do you start? So today we're going to chat with Jason, uh, who came from the music industry and moved into B2B, and I think he's done an amazing job helping LinkedIn marketing, sort of dial their, their content to 11. You know LinkedIn voice when you see it. And it's fresh and it's fun. And I have to say it's, it's very different lately. And I'm really, really digging it. So let's, let's introduce Jason and then we'll bring him on. So Jason Miller leads the global content and social initi- initiatives for LinkedIn marketing solutions. As I mentioned before, before he moved over to B2B, He spent 10 years in the music industry at Sony, and he worked with some of the biggest acts in music, helping them develop some really innovative marketing campaigns. And so when he's not busy doing remarkable content, and I've seen Jason speak several times, he's always fun to watch. He's a concert photographer, and he loves metal music, which I love. And he, <laughs> one of the things we're going to ask him about, I can't wait, is how he blends a lot of um, music metaphors and albums and finds a way to bring in these bands into a lot of the content that he talks about. And he does it in a great, a great way. And he also wins at Seinfeld Trivia, so we'll have to ask him more about that. But when he's not contributing to different publications, and he does them all, content marketing institute social media examiner he presents a lot of places Dreamforce, social media marketing world and i'll be seeing him i think in a few weeks later in the month so with that and i should say his little girl's a cupid doll she's adorable so with that we're going to bring jason on hey jason
0: hey kathy how are you
1: doing well welcome to the show
0: thanks for having me. Uh, I'm, I'm a huge fan. I'm always happy to be here. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you in person in San Diego. Uh, beautiful San Diego. I love that I love that city so much.
1: I do too. I, I think if I didn't live here in the valley I think I think I would be in San Diego or Santa Barbara just they're gorgeous. They're just gorgeous places it, no doubt about it It
0: awesome. reminds me it reminds me of uh, uh, like the, the last place we had we were at for social media marketing I know, I know they moved it this year. But the pool, the weather was so perfect, and the pool was so beautiful. It reminded me of, of almost like Cabo, Mexico. It was just that, that cool, and that exquisite. I love it. So I'm um, looking forward to going back.
1: Yeah, me too. Me too. Can't wait to see you in person. Well, I want to I wanna jump on in because you've got such a great story. You made the transition, and I love that you've written about this. And you've written about it in a really compelling way. You spent 10 years in music. Um, you watched a lot of the changes that happened when music went digital. Um, and then you decided to to leave and shift your career focus to to B two B. Can you kind of take us back there? Uh, you know, what was that decision like for you? I mean, was it unnerving? I mean, what was the
0: starting point for you? Uh, it was it was the most difficult thing I've ever had to do in my life. Uh, it was just frustrating, right? I mean, I love the music business so much, and we worked closely with a lot of uh, a lot of artists. I mean, from you know, from the early days in the 2000s when it was the glory days, I mean, I was working with System of a Down and Slayer and Korn and Incubus and even into John Mayer and uh, Pete Yornsson, the singer-songwriter stuff. But, you know, around, I guess, 2006 is when, you know, Napster came out. And uh, the music business just fought digital for so long. By the, by the time they decided to embrace it, the cat was out of the bag. And, and now, you know, they've devalued music so so much that, that, that people expect it to be free. Uh, And all along the way, I was a bit confused as well. I mean, it was the only job I ever had out of college, so I spent uh, almost 12 years in the industry, and um, just kind of watched them make really strange decisions. And I was, you know, I wasn't, I was like trying to get these labels to start blogs. I'm like, this is, you know, this is called blogging. We don't have to wait for Rolling Stone to write about our article, write about our bands anymore. We can tell their own story. You know, those deep. This deep history of, of uh, Columbia Records specifically with Miles Davis and Springsteen, all these great stories, Janice Joplin. Like, let's get that story out there. Let's tell that story in our own unique way and connect with our fans directly. Uh, and we just, you know, they just never really, <laughs> it never really yeah. took off. So I, yeah. I, but I can tell you this, Kathy, that at no point during that transition did I ever say, man, I can't wait to be a B2B marketer. That never <laughs> <laughs> I I you know, I felt it. I had to go back I went back to school and took a bunch of classes it's uh, oh I started to get my masters degree and that wasn't working it was taking way too long um and so I found these uh courses at UC Berkeley these extension classes these uh, digital certificates so I went to class at night and didn't sleep much um and I found that, that uh, my employer at the time Sony very generously uh, had a, had a reimbursement program so they paid for my transition which was I'm very grateful to say but um yeah and and I you know went to little startups, and I took a chance on me, uh, all based on, I had no skills in in, in, um, in the B2B space, but, you know, I had a little music blog, and I was tweeting, this is like, I don't know, like 90, oh, this is 90, sorry, uh, this is like, geez, when was this, 2008, 2009, so uh, just, yeah, I had a little bit of a personal brand going, somebody uh, took a chance on me, and, and you yeah. know, the rest is history, I guess.
1: That I I love that you said that you never like aspired. You know, nobody ever says, "Gosh, you know, you know what I want to be? What I, what I my career, my true calling is to be a B two B marketer." Yeah, <laughs> and I, I yeah, love
0: to that. Be honest, I, <laughs> to be honest with you, I I really didn't even know what the hell B two B marketing was when I left yeah. the music business. I mean, uh, and I I just wanted to be a marketer. I just wanted somebody to give yeah. me a a story to tell and, and let me uh, have a little fun with it, and that's that's yeah. that's what happened.
1: Well, and I love that you say that because I think B2B is still trying to figure out what the hell B2B marketing is all about because I think B2B, I actually think not having that background um, coming from B2B actually – was probably a real asset for you, it, maybe in hindsight, because um, whether it felt like this at the time, I don't know, but maybe in hindsight, you know, you, you might not have thought about it this way. But it seems to me, because you don't have the baggage, I think B2B gets trapped by that, well, we've always done it this way, and this is the way it is, and you come in, you have got you had a personal brand going for you, which I think is really important. You didn't wait for somebody to give that to you. You took control of your personal brand, and I think that's a big message here. And that gave you a platform, so people already knew, I suspect, when you transitioned, hey, Jason loves music, Jason's a photographer, he's got his personal stamp on everything he does, and it seems to me that that was part of either the attraction, or they they knew, full disclosure, this guy has a personality, and he's not afraid to use it.
0: You know, I will tell you... I will tell you this: the personal brand thing is interesting, and I truly believe in that uh, because I don't think anyone would have taken a chance on me if I didn't stand out, right? If I didn't have something that differentiated myself. And it was a, I had a little crappy free blog I started on Blogger, which is, you know, it morphed into Rock and Roll Cocktail as in its present state. Um But you know, just the fact that I was writing and I could write and I could tell a story and that I could be interesting, I mean that was something that that you know all marketers need to be able to do. You need to be able to write and you need to be able to, to you have to be interesting and compelling with your writing and the fact that I understood you know how social media worked to kind of amplify that that's all it that's really all it took. Um, but I tell you what I didn't get paid for any of that stuff, and I you know I, <laughs> I worked my ass off to to do writing to do all that writing and and kind of build that brand, and I still do I mean I wrote. I wrote two music reviews this week. I didn't get paid for them. I wrote it because that's, you know, I love to write about music. Uh, I spent you know, two or three hours developing the photos from the shows, and then I spent another hour writing the review because I wanted to be really good. And I know uh, that the artists you know, who are paying attention are going to read my words, and it's almost like a direct line to them. So uh, I, I often think, though, if I took all the time that I spent you know, in concert photography a couple times a week shooting shows and uh, writing you know, music blogs, if I took that and put it into my my B2B marketing, like maybe I'd be a little bit further along today. I, I don't. Where would I be? I don't know. But uh, it, it keeps me it keeps me centered and keeps me sane, and and it's it, it's the only thing that gets me to stop thinking about B2B marketing, to be honest. <laughs>
1: Well, what I love about it, though, is for folks listening who might not have read it, um, you know, one of Jason's books, which I really love, is Welcome to the Funnel. And I really love that you invoke all these music metaphors. You know, you, you talk about Guns N' Roses, obviously, it inspired the title. But it's so much more than that because you talk about things that you learn from music. You apply the metaphors. You use... Everything is an analogy related back to, to music. So it's very clear that music inspires you, but it's very memorable. And, and it, to me, when I read that, it's one of those books that I pick up and I go, you know, what I love about it is somebody's using their way of talking, their you their expressions fully based in who they are to say something in a, in a way that makes sense right, that, that maybe other people aren't saying. And you, it just might stick. If you say it this way, ah, you know, it just might stick to a certain audience. And that's what I really love about that book. And I'm, I'm curious, you know, nobody's journey is ever perfect, and, and, you know, when we sort of make transitions, um, what were some of the hard things? Was there anything hard for you in making that transition from music?
0: Yeah, I mean, it was, it was incredibly difficult because um, – I, I feel like I spent a lot of time not doing my you know what I what I was uh, I, maybe I wasn't being used for what I should have been like uh, doing in the music business right so I had a lot of big ideas and I don't think they ever I ever I never really got to put them into play so uh, but the biggest challenge was just you know making shifting the mindset and trying to learn as much as I possibly could. Uh, in a very short period of time, so I feel like I had to work a little bit harder than um, the other marketers in the space. And I mean, I, I got to tell you, Kathy, when and when I left the music biz and when I quit, um, I must have applied for, I probably applied for 150 jobs, and I never got one reply ever. I just didn't have, a, you know, nobody wanted to take a chance on a guy who just moved out here from, you know, Texas at the time, from the music business because it was, you know, a failing industry, and they didn't really. Like they, we didn't, we weren't looked nicely upon, and wow. and or fondly upon in the uh, in the digital space. So uh, I think just learning as much as I possibly could. But I will tell you, um, just getting out there and networking. I went to every single free event I possibly could, every meetup, uh, every social media themed event that I could possibly get next to. Uh, I went to, and um, uh, so I met somebody. Uh, my I met my wife, and she had a friend who worked at the startup. Uh, introduced me and I went in and I think you know this is kind of embarrassing, but I think I went in there and told them I was a social media expert, which uh, <laughs> which is <laughs> kind of the dumbest thing you could ever say. Um, but again, I you know I had a little bit of a personal brand and I and I had something to show for it. Like yeah. you know I, it wasn't about the resume. It was like what do you have? Where's your presence online? Show me what you can do and show me that you're passionate about this. And I think in this day and age, that's the personal brand. That's what's going to set you apart. Uh, and that's what somebody's going to look at as initiative to take a chance on you. And even to this day, uh, you know, I'm very grateful for for the the folks you know throughout the years. Marketo took a chance on I me, mean, I think, uh, as well as um, Market Tools, which was the the startup where like the first job I had after the business, after the music biz. But even today, when I'm hiring for my team here at LinkedIn or um, or anywhere, uh, I I my first question is, you know, what makes you unique? Can you write well? Um, because I think the rest of the stuff can be taught.
1: Yeah, that's such a great perspective too. I I really love that because. You know, the way I look at it today, I, I've always looked at it is, it just you just said it, if you can write and you can articulate and you can tell a story, great. Everything else you can learn. You can learn the tools. You can learn how to use social media. But you have to be willing to be able to uh, tell a human story in a way that people can hear it. And I think what is a breath of fresh air to me is when I look at brands in B2B that actually have that personality, because then I say, ah, they get it. it you know, it, it, anybody can, can master boring. Boring is like, <laughs> you know, my, my, my kid has surpassed boring, you know, my seven-year-old, has, <laughs> you know, and, and your, your little one who's adorable has surpassed that. Boring is like, that, that's just like ba- basic, basic, you're breathing. Okay. You've mastered that. It's anything else is, you know, you've got to get to that next level. And what I love about your story, and I think inspires people, is that you're a person who, you know, you weren't deterred. In fact, more than anything, I think the message I, I hope people take away in an inspirational way is, Bring more of who you are, not less. If if it's if you know, for me it's improv and comedy. For somebody else, it's you know rock and roll photography. Um, you had a very funny talk, and I have to tell everybody about your um, at Funny Business. Um, Jason and I both were speaking in San Francisco last year, and Jason did a very funny. Um, he had this very funny thing about, um, and he called it um, George Costanza rule of marketing. Do you, what? Can you tell everybody what that is? Because I think I don't want to I don't want to shoot your thunder, but it was so funny. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Funny biz. I love that conference so much. Uh, it was called the George Costanza approach to content marketing. Or the George Costanza approach to marketing. So it was basically the concept of if every instinct you have is wrong, then the opposite must be right. Uh, and you, play, you know, at the time, it worked really well for social and content because you know in social you want to talk about yourself, you want to just broadcast, broadcast, In content marketing you want to talk about your product. So if you do the exact opposite. Um, then, then that's the way to connect. And, and I thought George Cassandra's approach, I love George, I love Seinfeld, but taking that, um, <laughs> taking that approach, You know, when I started at Marketo, it was a very God, a super competitive space around B2B marketing, right? That was the conversation we were going after. B2B marketing and marketing automation, two topics that are not very sexy. So we did everything... That, you know, the exact opposite of what everyone else was doing. So what was our competition doing? Writing very heavy-duty e-books. Like we wrote uh, a coloring book, right? Um, so we just had a lot of fun uh, and did things exactly the opposite of our competition, and it worked for us. I think we, we, uh, we had a great story to tell. It was a very complicated story, but we, I used some rock and roll analogies to, to break them down and to make them memorable, and I think that's, that's the uh, injecting of your personality, breaking down very complex, Marketing situations and marketing problems, and telling them in a way that, that is memorable. And for me, that was, uh, you know, using spinal tap analogies or Black Sabbath or Guns N' Roses and, and making you know, have a little bit of fun with it. And, and it worked really well. People will understand, people will remember the guy that used Black Sabbath to talk about the importance of thought leadership over the guy who gets up there with PowerPoints and bullets, right? It's just, it sticks in your head. And, it, and it's the only way I can remember this stuff, to be honest with you.
1: Yeah, no, I'm similar. If somebody makes me laugh and makes a point, I think that's the beauty of comedy. It just, it just stays with you. And I, I you know, and, and Jason's very humble. From what I understand, because um, I still cite your, the book at, from Marketo, that big coloring book, the activity coloring book, did very well. Actually, did very well um, for the company, and so any time I get an excuse, it's sort of the dog ate my homework. You know, I'm talking to financial marketers, and like, or anybody. You know, we're, we're, it's a very complicated industry, Kathy. We can't use humor. We can't be lighthearted. I'm like, that is not true. Let me tell you. And it's funny. I give that example, and it's almost like you know, uh, it sort of gets rid of the the dog ate my homework. I can't be lighthearted. I can't deal with a serious subject in a lighthearted way, because you guys did it. And it, it was successful.
0: Yeah, and, and yeah, I was talking to uh, Doug Kessel this morning from Velocity, who's a, a good friend and probably one of my favorite marketers on the planet. And he, uh, we were presenting at AdWeek Europe together last year, and he, he said something along the lines of, uh, "Don't aim to be hilarious, but like aim to be charming, right?" And mm-hmm. and that's kind of where I think you can draw the line with B two B, and especially when you get into the you know the regulated spaces of of finance, like. Can you you know draw the line between trying to be slapstick hilarious uh, and just yeah. be charming? Um, I think that's kind of the balance can you find. It's incredibly difficult. I don't know where that line is. I often cross it and get my hand slapped, but uh, that's part of that's part of taking chances, right?
1: It it absolutely is. I think it's part of taking risks. But I think you said it really well. I've always drawn a distinction between wit and humor and something that makes people smile and, and and one is an outcome if i'm trying to make you laugh and i'm trying to be over the top versus it's enough to sometimes just have a turn of phrase that's witty that makes people smile and makes it, their day just a little less boring like that is a good thing so it doesn't have to be you know, a super risk, risky thing you know
0: kathy somebody asked me the other day and i wanted to ask you this question uh, they asked me, they said, if you couldn't be called a marketer, uh, what would you be called in the current role you do? And and I was thinking about stuff like this. I, I mean, I'm more like an entertainer, right? So I'm kind of a top of funnel guy. I just want to get your attention. I want to get your attention. I want to get on your radar. And then I'll get your email, hopefully, uh, and then I'll let the management take care of the rest. But, I mean, think about that. If somebody asked you, uh, yeah. we well, you can't call yourself a marketer, what would you call yourself?
1: Um, You know, that's so funny. I call myself a storyteller, and then uh, sometimes I call myself a carnival barker, but a much more charming version (laughs) because I I think that's what we are. I I really agree with you. I think marketers overdone, and I I actually – such a great question because I don't remember the last time I self-identified as a marketer. Um, People endow me as a marketer, and I really – have n- it's funny, I don't see it that way anymore because I think storytelling is really what great mar all all great marketing is is storytelling at its at its essence and if you do it right, you've told an entertaining story like you just said you're you're, in, you're an entertainer you're you're an educator um you're a little bit of a carnival marker, but you're doing it in a way that's not um <laughs> that's not that doesn't scare people um I it's, think it's all yeah, those
0: I, things it's an interesting it's an interesting test and i think Every person that I respect as a marketer, you including, of course, you know, if I think about them and I think of one thing that stands out about them, I can always remember. I mean, when I think of Kathy, when I think of you, I think of, you know, brilliant improv, right? I think of Ann Hanley, I think of her glasses, and I think of kind of quirky, fun content. I think of Pulitzer, I think of Orange, Brian Solis, I think Futurist, Travis Wright, I think technology specs, you know, like, where that's... That's what I think you have to find where you, where you fit in as a marketer to differentiate yourself. What are you known for? And I think asking yourself that question uh, it can really help kind of guide that journey.
1: Yeah, it's a great question. And one of the things that I, I'll, I'll tell the audience, because you said it to me a few years ago, and it has stayed with me. So J- Jason is actually proof that it does work. And we were talking, and you said to me, Kathy, I think the most important thing you need to do is find the conversation out there that you want to own and create great content around the conversation you want to own and that has stayed with me and it's funny because i find myself (laughs) you know saying well you know it's interesting that it works and i i I think it's important because if you know that you want to be known for a certain thing you create content around that but also if the conversation is in a space where people are using humor, or where you know they are, it is music or related to music, all the more reason to put your personality into it. But it starts. It sounds to me like you know, just identify the, that conversation you want to own.
0: It's it's as simple as typing into a search engine that one burning question, right? That's on your customers or prospects' minds, the one that you need to answer better than anyone else, and where do you show up? Because if you're not on page one, then you, know, you pretty much don't exist in that conversation. So I yeah. think and if it's too competitive, then you need to find variations on that. But there's a billion variations on every question, uh, and there's opportunities on every question. And I think it's about, you know, we always talk about thinking like a publisher. Well, we need to move past that and actually publish like a publisher. You want to own a conversation, you write the damn book on it, and you release it, and you put it out there for free, and then you chop the hell out of it, and you uh, reverse engineer this thing and put it out there. In, in little, uh, you know, like we call them turkey slices, but in little derivative pieces, in, in every format you can possibly think of. That's how you own a conversation. And and it blows my mind, uh, especially in the B2B space, that more people don't take this approach. I think, um, you know, Microsoft is doing a hell of a job with it right now. Uh, I think LeadMD, um, Justin Gray, is doing a fantastic job. I think these, these are, the fo- of course, the usual suspects, the Marketas, the HubSpot, the eloquence yeah. of the world. But these are, you know, what go after yeah. that conversation. It, can you get there? Uh, yeah, absolutely. You, you, and the content is going to be the place to you know to facilitate that.
1: Absolutely. Um, when you you know if people are out there, if they were to ask you, if we have people you know asking questions right now to you, um, and, and they were asking about advice of where to start, when you, you start thinking about you know how do you inject your personality if it, if it is B two B and you know it can be daunting because there is that fine line. There's also your personal brand, which is another interesting sort of layer on top of it. There's the the personal brand versus the company brand, and how much of which do you put in? Um, What would you advise people about ways to really straddle that line, but also not be afraid to put their their personality into their content? Where do you start? Uh
0: Very, very good question. I think, number one, you have to be comfortable with, with, your, with who you are and what that personality is, right? Like, I love 80s hair metal, heavy metal, and I get a tremendous amount of crap from my friends for that, but I'm true to that. I don't care. <laughs> I, I like what I like, and I'm proud of it. You know, I, I, walked out of, <laughs> I walked out of my bedroom today, this morning, and my wife looked at my outfit, and she says, oh, my God, you cannot leave the house like that. I'm like, wait talking about?" She goes, you look like you just stepped out of 1984. like, that's what I was going for. Uh, and so I, I would not change, but it's like I don't care what people think. I'm comfortable with who I am, and I put it out there. And, I, and again, I take a lot of crap for it, but I stand up for it. And, and I think people respect that about anything, anybody who yeah. knows who they are and they and they and they don't back away from it. But uh, the second thing I would say is I would caution. I mean, I work at LinkedIn, right? So it's a professional network, it's a professional mindset. So I, I obviously, you know, <laughs> have to be careful. Uh, of not pulling in too much of the heavy metal references here. I I keep a balance between my own personal branding and and LinkedIn. But the more important thing is, and I see this go completely wrong all the time, is people get a new role, they get into a new company, and they leave with their personal brand, which is the absolute worst thing you could possibly do. Um, What you want to do is you want to get into a company, and you want to do good things. There's a book called The First 90 Days, which I read every time I start a new gig. Uh, and you have to make partners, and you have to find everyone in the organization who's going to uh, help you to be successful. And you need to build relationships with them. Uh, but you have to do really great work. Once you do really great work, you start to slide your personality into it, your personal brand is going to come around, uh, come along for the ride with you. And then once you find that personal brand start to take shape, that's when you start to nurture it, and that's when you can kind of start um, branching off and, and doing your own stuff. But you've got you to gotta do good stuff for the company first, first. Um, and then slowly inject your personality into it, build relationships. That's it's really as easy as that. Uh, and you know, there's this whole backlash right now about um, you know speakers complaining about, I guess, not getting paid and like being offered exposure. And I get that. I don't make I don't make a living from speaking. I, I in fact I I really can't because I can't get paid for speaking due to you know I work at LinkedIn. But right. Uh, but my point is is that. If you want to do this, not, a lot of marketers aren't going to do this just because they, they don't have time or they don't care. But if you put the work in, you're going to write a ton for free. Uh, Anne Hanley has a great post on LinkedIn. Uh, she's an influencer called uh, Why You Should Write for Free. I think she wrote a year or two ago. Brilliant. And, there's, uh, you know, and I write a tremendous amount of stuff for free. Uh, and I do a lot of speaking gigs for free. I like to do it, but I like to write as well. And, and if you can't put that effort into it, And you shouldn't expect to have. uh, You shouldn't really expect to have this personal brand. Focus on what you do. But man, if you really want it, you got to go after it. And it's not easy. And it's not. It's not. uh, It's not essentially free.
1: That's great words of wisdom too. I, I really love that you you said you know especially when you get into a company you got to learn the company first and then get your personal brand. And I, I think sometimes it's tricky for people straddling that line, especially people like yourself who have that personal brand and you're well known under a personal brand, but you're you're also well known as, as somebody who uh, you know is spearheading change at a at a big company. So it is it can be a fine line, and I think that's where having that personal brand maybe first. Um, in standing out, so there is full disclosure. People know who you are. They kind of know what they're getting, but I think that gives you a leg up. And I absolutely agree that if you're not willing to do the work, you've got to, you've got to hustle. You've got to, you've got to be a carnival barker. You've got to entertain. <laughs> you got to get people to come in, into your blog tent. You got to, you got to pull people in, and you got to do it with your personality and your touch and whatever that is for you. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah, if you're not doing good work at your company then you have business you have no business focusing on a personal brand. I mean you have to start with doing doing what you're what you were hired to do. Uh and then any leftover time you have, that's when you focus on your personal brand. Then you figure out where the two kind of come together, um and you make the most out of it. So I think there's uh, again, there's a lot of people who are doing really cool things with their personal brand and, and doing great work, but there's also uh a lot of people who uh who I think are, are leading with their personal brand and, and kind of, you know, growing their ego instead of
1: their revenue well said well said this always goes way too fast with you it's just so much fun to talk to you because you just you've got all this great stuff and um i it's just like a whirlwind and it's a half an hour is just not enough
0: (laughs) you make it very easy kathy We, we i mean every time i run into you i think we speak for a half our stop and chats are like 35 minutes right so
1: they they are, but they're just some of the best chats I've ever had. So, um, Jason, where can people find you? Um, he he is the author again. Everybody of, of Welcome to the Funnel. But where do you want to send people?
0: Uh, feel free. I mean, I'm I'm open to connecting with me on, on connecting on LinkedIn. If you just put a note in there where you heard me, or where we chatted, or where we met. Uh, I'm Jason Miller, CA. I'm Jason Miller, CA on Instagram. And I tell you what, Kathy, I got to experiment, man. I'm going to figure out the Snapchat thing. Uh, I'm in day two of uh, my blog post called Seven Days of Snapchat. And I'm I'm snapping, I'm snapping less. I call it uh, my blog post will be called Less or uh, Less Happening, More Snapping. I think that's important title. <laughs> So uh, I'm going to figure this thing out, man, because there's folks like uh, Brian Fanzo, who uh, I had drinks with him a little while ago, and he's, he's convinced me that I have to be on here. I don't think there's any B2B decision makers on Snapchat yet, but damn it, I've got to figure this thing out. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm working on it.
1: You've inspired me because I am like slow. I'm a slow adopter. I have not figured out Snapchat, and my nieces, my son's too young, but my nieces have convinced me that I am, I don't exist and I'm not relevant because I'm not up to speed on Snapchat. <laughs> so I got, I have two
0: millennials on my team and they're sitting right next to me. And every time I have a question, and I have a question every two minutes about this thing, they jump up and they are, uh, they're blowing my mind how, how, uh, how efficient they are with their Snapchat. And I gotta get there. So I'm on. Yeah.
1: Me too. I'm with you. I'm with I'm with you. Jason, thank you so much. We I look forward to seeing you in San Diego.
0: I will see you soon enough, Kathy. Thanks again for having me. And follow me on Snapchat. I'll follow you back and we'll just uh, we'll figure this thing out together.
1: Awesome. Thanks, Jason.
0: Thanks, Kathy. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, that was so much fun. Always good to talk to Jason. We will bring him back at another time. Uh, another time um, Again, if you want to follow him on Twitter, it's at Jason Miller, C-A. Very important because there's other Jason Millers, but there's only one Jason Miller who's the author of Welcome to the Funnel. So it's a lot of fun always talking to him. My handle, at Kathy Clotes Guest, no hyphen. So if you want to uh, email me, I love hearing from you. It's Kathy at keepingithuman.com. All right, everybody, you know what I'm going to say. I'm trying my best to keep it human out there fighting the good fight so you keep it human too. All right, everybody, until next time, see you then.